welcome to Marketproof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, episode 211 with Jackie Lipinski. Hello, everyone. Hello. We're climbing on up. We'll be at 300, no time soon. Hey, it's getting warm out. It is. You're in, is this spring right now up. in Ohio? I don't know. Is this spring, summer? Uh, it was we 80 in the weekend. We we opened up the pool, our first pool ever, and the first time we nice. ever opened it ever. And it felt like we were in a vacation home at the beach. There's just no, like the beach is not my favorite part of going to the beach anyway. I like to see the beach for a day or and a half or so of the week. And then I like yeah. to hang out at the pool. So and did yeah. you heat your did you heat your pool? You talked about heating your pool. Oh, it's heated by on demand by the children and my wife. So my, oh, man. my wife um grew up in West Virginia and there was an above ground pool that her uncle had who lived next door. And it was, you know, the size of an overly large, like two large bathtubs put together. Okay. She's like, he would heat that thing up to 90 degrees for us. And that's what our pool needs to be. I'm like, this is 30,000 gallons of water. Uh, Could you imagine? I don't really. I think, I think the final negotiation ended at like 88 for now, just because it's <laughs> the first year. But I was like, we are not opening up our pool until everyone else. I mean, look at the bill, honey. This is why we don't. I was going to say, like, and that might shut things down. This is what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Let's go on vacation. Yeah. But the weather's not the only thing heating up. Interest rates are heating up. Uh, yeah. So we got we got lots to talk about. Let's, so many uh, things. Let's dive into story time. Yeah, I can go first. I actually have a quick story. There is a new construction home community coming up near my house, and just this weekend, I decided to drive through it. And Ooh, I that's noticed, how it begins. I know. Yeah, it is that's how it starts. <laughs> 10, 12 foot ceilings. I counted, I counted the driveway cut-ins. It starts on the website, right? Did you, did you find out? A, did you go to the you website know, ever? No, I never went to the website, okay. but I will say the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because they put starting at 1.2 million on the signs and there is no construction started. So I would really like to stock how as they are constructing the houses, mm. if those prices change it. So I, when uh, they change when they yeah. change, I thought that was a huge, like, it'd be interesting if it does change. Yeah. You, you, I, you've lived I, there I for a long time. Home. Is it a developer you're familiar with? It's Pulte. Oh, well, yeah. we're going to say names. All right. All right. Pulte. If you're published, uh, shots you fired. Name, right? Let's see how you, how you end up. <laughs> I love it. Don't do not, do not edit or beep that out. That's awesome. So yeah. Why would Pulte put a price point on a sign now? I, I'm perhaps they're only going to build inventory. Their actual costs are, or like the retail price I think now is 950 and they're just assuming, Hey, if we just get some people on the list, we can always say surprise. It's only, you know, 1,500. Yeah. yeah not to throw zestimates about around, but I, I bought my house um, two years ago and now it's. We're insulting everyone today. <laughs> well, I like the, zestimates. It's a estimate. data proven method. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not a realtor. But my, my house is valued at nine, uh, $950,000. And to think if those houses are $950,000, like and they're brand I, new, brand, yeah, trade up brand cost new house. Is not that bad. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm all for I'm just, it. I'm your my, financial advisor right now. Like this, <laughs> keep it going. You're in Seattle. Like it's like this, right? The values. And that's, and that's the whole thing. I, I think in the last two years from hey. 500,000 to 950, that is as extreme, long as open so. door buys your house, gives you late checkout. 
makes the process easy. You don't have to move twice. That's true. <laughs> Isn't it 14 days to nine months? I think Why it not? is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but that's that's my story time. I'll keep you guys updated if that sign and website price changes okay, so for the community. Okay, so while, community, while, while way, Andrew's telling... No, 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 no. Andrew, you have a story time to do. I do have a story time, but Jack, can you look up the, that community now? Go to the website and, and then we'll come back and just say like, you've been there in person. You're looking at it on the website. This website communicating what you feel like it needs to for now. Yeah, let's see. All right. This is right. fun. This is, I love this Unplanned. I like it. My, my little story time is, it's a sad story. It's sad oh, story, right. disclaimer, public service announcement. When, and so I, I look outside the industry probably more often than inside the industry for marketing things, just because we're quite limited. If you think about us related to anything else in the world, like we're pretty small, like new well, home. What, what, what you're saying is, if if we're not writing it or a small handful of of two to three other people who regularly put out content, there's not much to read. That is also true, but there's it's just so limited, right? And so looking out the other outside the other industries, but you have to have like your home builder filter on like, can we actually use this? Or why would this work for other industries? And I think there's a few different reasons we could look at a concept or strategy or tool or, or innovation that Google or Facebook has come up with and why it would work for them. A big one being they're usually not restricted by location. So if it's e-commerce, they uh -huh. could sell worldwide or say they only only sell to the whole U.S. versus us. We are selling to the whole U.S. sort of with relocation buyers. But for the most part, like we're stuck to like a 20, 30 whatever 50 mile radius within the community. So compare that 50 mile radius versus however many miles it is across, you know, from the West coast to the East coast. So you have that, we have a fairly small set of keywords that works for us, you know, new homes, city name, new construction, new build, and then existing home keywords. So it's pretty limited. We don't have to research and, and explore for new keywords. And then yeah, our the, budget, the only, thing, the only thing you have to explore for is new geographic terminology, new geographic, like yeah. slang. But it wouldn't be like, area. oh, I had no idea people were searching for that. It's like, well, no, it's not. There's no new ways being invented. And then budget. Our budgets are, we have a cap on our budget based off of what we can sell. You know, so e-commerce, there is some logistics there as far as they can't just sell thousands and thousands, thousands, but they could scale. Their whole point of e-commerce is to scale because they yeah. have the systems in place. We could add three more people that could pack and ship. And now we could have another thousand packages per day. So our industry versus if geography could be stored in a warehouse, we'd solve that problem too. Yeah. Land. Yeah, we could print, <laughs> print land metaverse. We could print it on the metaverse. There's well, that, that's true. Keep all your e-commerce strategies in hand for when the yeah. metaverse replaces real metaverse real estate. and NFTs of houses, unlimited supply sort of. And so, yeah, just keep that in mind. When we're looking outside the, outside the industry. Like we've had a few questions and it's, they're fun questions because it's like, Oh, something new, something new. But usually with us, it's with not us, DYC, but us home building. We just can't take advantage of those because of those, those three reasons. So just something to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Sometimes it's also just a, a legal reason, you know, can, can yeah. we target by age or certain, you know, we shouldn't, we should see right. it's well, and especially mixed, it depends on the it? channel, depends on the yeah. channel you're talking about, but in particular, yeah. this goes back to the example I've used over and over again. Uh, the CMO of BMW said, we don't care how old you are or how much money mm -hmm. you have. If you use the build and price tool on our website yeah. and you become You're a good. lead, someone needs to do something. Yeah. It, it, like there's just that, that level of depth of interaction demands a response from the brand. 
Um, does, you shouldn't be like, well, wait a minute, kid, you're only 16. Well, you might be doing the build and price tool for your dad yeah. you know, or someone else. Because he's like, build me a car. I trust you. It's great. Or let's say you're using the household income data on Google, use the census data based on your zip code. If you put my zip code in and just knowing where I live, there's $4 million houses three blocks away and there's little $200,000 one ones mm -hmm. over this way. So yeah. that's not going to work. I think most people are in places like that anyway. So it's, that's inaccurate. Then age, I think it's gray on, you can't exclude, but you can include, but Facebook took that away. So I think it's better to lean on the side of caution. Like just don't touch age and gender as far as targeting people, yeah. even though Google will still let you. Yeah. So I just wouldn't mess with it. But yeah, it's, it's not, it, the, the incremental benefit that you're getting by doing that yeah, is not so, so little. Again, most of the time, if anything, most of the time as marketers are trying to get more for our company, not less, most of the time, uh, there's gonna be way more instances where the person just outside of your, even just, again, this concept of, of who is our target market, like your target market is whoever is typing in geographic terms around new construction that you run yeah. a price point you serve. That is your target market. And that's why you do not see this nearly as often anymore of, uh, people coming to us or any company saying, I only want to target 30 to 40 year olds who have this, you know, it's like, let the data show who your target market yeah. is. I mean, when you're developing a community, you're certainly thinking about that, but in terms of how you're crafting your, your message out of the gate before you get any preliminary data, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can find out who your target market is real fast. In fact, we talked with the builder yeah. today, thought this was really interesting. I'm taking over your story time. Sorry a developer in Atlanta who they were, they have all these leads in the VIP list for three different communities. They surveyed them as part of the pre-sale without fail process. And what was super interesting to them was there was some concern that, that one of their product lines only has one car garages and all the surveys came back and said like, you know, the question was open-ended. How many, how many garage, how many, how many cars do you need to park in a garage? And the answer was one. And they're like, Oh, okay, awesome. Well, then this is not a, not going to be as big a concern. Similar thing with bedroom count. How many bedrooms do you need or want? Two. Well, that's awesome because we were concerned our smaller units with only two might be harder to sell. As long as the price point's right, the number of bedroom count won't be an issue. So you, you, you bring way more in terms of preconceived notions to that process than getting some data at a relatively low cost, analyzing that data, letting the customer tell you what's going on versus guessing. You know, we don't have to do as much guessing anymore. Definitely. I love it. Okay. The, this, uh, did you complete your homework assignment, Jackie? Did you find the name of the community? We don't want to say the name because now I, then I feel like we're picking on something, but like a whole division of Pulte, we can pick on them. Um, did you find the neighborhood? <laughs> I did find the neighborhood. Okay. okay. Does it, does it start with an F? It does start with an F. Okay. So I'm clicking okay. on, I'm clicking on that particular page. It starts then. with an F. Um, I will find it. So do you feel like this community page is showing you all you need to know as a prospective customer? As a prospective cu customer, I could see the starting at price, the floor plan, um, the square footage range, which I'd be interested in, the school ratings, which is important to where I currently live. Um, mm -hmm. I have the plat map, which is interesting. So I can, I already drove through it. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like lot 10 and 11, 12, 13 is a little more isolated. That's where I'd like to mm -hmm. live. Your premium. And then, Those are premium yeah, the lots, premium yeah. lots. And then it has a place to join the interest list, but it, and it has all the floor plans listed as well as, um, I think each of them have an interactive 
Um, yeah, interactive, interactive plan. plan. No pricing per floor plan. So you just mm -hmm. have a starting price of 1.2 million. Yeah. And so here's the other game I want to play with you because this is where you live, Renton, Washington. Mm -hmm. okay, so you're you're familiar with what things, and, and, and you've worked for a builder there for many years before. What do you think that the most expensive of these floor plans, which looks to be the Westport, is like, well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The 4,300 square foot floor plan, the Rome. If the starting price of the community is 1.2, as a severely well-educated person on the Renton housing market, in comparison to the average person, what do you think that floor plan is going to start at? It's tough because it's literally the entrance has a shack house. No, no. It. I mean, it's it's starting mm. at 1.2. So you're, okay. you're really comparing that, floor, comparing that floor plan to the entry-level floor plan, which looks to be... I would say that house probably one five bedrooms, five and a half baths, forty three hundred square feet, and the starting I, starting. I used to say one five, but I feel like one seven nine would. Okay, so we just added half a million bucks between friends here, looking at the yeah. starting price. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying we need to put a pin in that uh, to steal from the office and circle back around. And and We're once they come back in a month, I was <laughs> once they release that pricing, we need to see how accurate you are because I think this is part of our problem, generally speaking. Someone reached out to me and and they said, and I'm not picking, we're not picking on anyone. They're on a on a syndication website. And I said, I just turn off all the new construction stuff currently. And I was like, Well, why? And they said, Because it's not helpful to me. And I said, Well, why? And they said, Because it's all this, you know, starting from 400 plus. It's a buildable floor plan that you, you know, you can, it, it's a base floor plan. They go, but, but then, but then I reach out to the builder. They say, oh no, no, you can't, it's not 400, it's 600. And we have one inventory home that'll be done in seven months. It's like, this is not helping yeah. my wife and I's process of searching for a house. It's kind of the same thing. We're, we're, we're not giving, and I know we all know the reasons why, because they're, they're got an interest list program and they're going to roll this information out. But once this community goes from being coming soon to actively selling, if that even happens, if they don't sell out at the launch or, or whatever, the question that a lot of builders are wrestling with is, at what point do you put the real pricing back out there versus keep it withheld? And I just think it'd be interesting to see how someone who lives, we used to play that game all the time and we would drive around uh, in a, as like a divisional team. So you have division president, marketing sales manager, we drive around. And if there was a box that had a for sale sign uh, in front of an existing home, we'd play the, you know, closest without going over and whoever had the worst guests paid for lunch for all of, all of us. So you, so you just like, it was a game to learn uh, more about what the market was going on. So we'll see if you have lunch. Do we have a side <laughs> bet if Jackie moves into a new home? Um, it will be the Roam plan. <laughs> Roam plan. Well, on I'm a premium thinking, home like, site. What's what's the home site premium on those premium home sites? I'm not sure if I feel like ever some builders they just they're lower and some I'm, are just. It's I'm joining 100K. the interest list. I will keep Do everyone it. in in the loop for the next. Welcome couple to months. the most sporadic opening of a podcast in a while. But I'm getting. <laughs> I've gotten. House. I posted um, a picture of a newborn child from one of our builders that we work with um, who had a baby, yours. and we said it's not mine. <laughs> I wanted to clarify, uh, but. I've gotten now three messages from people saying, how do I get one? Because my OSC is having a baby or, oh. um, and, and so Andrew as the resident shirt clothing person. Yeah. I think, I think you're working merch. on that, but I'm we'll, the merch manager. We, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make that available. We it's are. been just kind of a 
thing we give to builders we work with when we know that there's a, a child that's been born, but hey, Adam, the people yeah. have spoken, make it happen. We don't want to disappoint Laura. Okay. Good. Um, story time for Kevin. Ooh, I'm going to try to go quick on this, but certainty is missing from the marketplace. Certainty is missing for consumers. Certainty is missing for employees. Employees meaning we don't know what the the powers that be above are going to do to shift how we sell or how we go to market. Uh, and it seems to change weekly or monthly. And by the way, it's not because your ownership is crazy. It's because they have to respond to things changing weekly or monthly in the supply chain and, and just a lot of factors, but there's no, there's no certainty. And I wish that I could go back in a time machine to when model homes as a concept were created. I think it's probably in the fifties or, or so would be my hunch, but let's imagine that there's Bob and, and Joe, and they're out there in the middle of a field of a community that they want to sell and they're not getting the interest that they want. And I imagine the conversation goes something like this. I'm not going to make two different voices because I'm not a voice actor. Oh, man. So This is a TikTok. Hey, hey Bob, this community is not selling. What should we do? Well, why, why do you think it's not selling, Joe? Well, the customers aren't really familiar with the concept of what a home building company is. Like that's just what like families would, would build homes or these kind of fly-by-night operations. And you know, we're a real company, but we can't convey that to people. But what do you think we should do, Bob? I think we should build a home that no one's going to live in. That's a little strange and expensive, Joe. Are you sure we need to do that? Yeah, I think we should, I think we should give that a try. And in fact, I think we should furnish it so that it looks like someone lives there, even though they don't. Okay, Bob, well, how long do we have to keep said house until the neighborhood is almost sold out or sold out? Like we take for granted that model homes exist because they've just always been around, but that is a, it's an incredibly large amount of money and energy to put into something. And why did that have to be created as a concept? It had to be created as a concept because the customer demanded some more certainty about how all this works. Now, as we're talking about, maybe you don't need as many models. I think part of that unwinding is realizing that the model home is not necessarily anymore needing to be a representation of the particular floor plan you're building. It's communicating something bigger, broader, which is why we use the Tesla sales centers as an analogy. You don't test drive a car there. It's for a different purpose. Anyway, so certainty was why models were created. And yet now that there's no certainty around pricing, timing, interest rates, what you selected, you can keep and you don't have to reselect like, and, and no one is willing to step forward and say, we promise this is how it's going to go because it's so uncertain of a market condition. But what the consumer really does still need from us, especially if you're trying to sell pre-sales, is that certainty or any certainty. And so what I, the, the homework assignment that I've been giving our builders for the last two weeks and what I'll give the listeners is think creatively, and maybe this is a question of the week we do it, uh, at the end in the Facebook group, is think creatively about ways that you can add certainty around something that you can't be certain of. So I'll give three quick examples. I'm not even gonna, I'll save my other story time for later because this is already on the long side. Example number one, uh, and don't require that your salespeople to say this because if they're in the back of their mind thinking about leaving uh, in three months from your company, you don't want them telling your customers this. But the first piece of certainty you can give your customer is just for the sales rep to say, I will be here with you through this process. I'm not gonna leave you. I will be here with you through this process. I've helped 120 other families go through this process over, over my career. 
or I will give you the best advice possible based upon the 300 other times I've priced out the Stanford floor plan. Whatever it is, you're saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to be with you through this journey. That's some certainty that the salesperson can provide. Another piece of certainty, although I've already had to talk a couple of times about switching this up, is to say, when you do move into your new home, it will be worth it. Meaning the reasons that you're choosing to make this change in your life, the time's going to pass anyway. Uh, if you build with us or build with anyone, it's going to take you know longer than expected. It's going to be more difficult than expected. But, but when you move in, it will be worth it. Now, I had to adjust that because... <laughs> I was telling this to a builder and they're like, yeah, we started moving people in and houses that aren't done. Like, oh, okay. Well then we just have to change that to say <laughs> when your home is done, <laughs> then you'll say to yourself, it was worth it. Uh, so again, we're not promising when it's going to be done. We're not going to promise that it's a completely smooth journey in between, but you are saying you're reminding them of the certainty of you're trying to change something in your life for the better. And when you're on the other side of this, you'll, you'll be, I mean, again, with our experience, it's like, Anytime my wife is upset that something's not moving fast, I'm like, do you want to go back to the other house? No, I like this house. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> yeah. better. Um, and then the third example, if you work with people who are renting or customers who are renting or considering renting as an alternate option to buying from you, there's huge uncertainty that we can take advantage of in what people are paying for rent. So the first question, if someone says, well, maybe we'll just rent for a while, wait for the market to change. Uh, Cause they think prices are going to go down or rates are going to go down. You say, look, Let's just look at how renting has changed in, in rents have gone up 13% year over year last year or whatever they were in your market. How about the year before? It was 15%. Okay, Mr. And Mrs. Customer, what do, what do we think it's going to be over the next 12 months? Well, I think things are going to get worse and I think rents actually might only go up by like 5%. Okay, great. We'll, we'll go with that. But here's the thing. Every year when your rent comes back up for, for renewal, you don't know if it's going to change, which means you don't know if you're going to have to change buildings, go from a luxury apartment to a medium level apartment, go to a different geographic area. All this uncertainty. I can't promise you what rates are going to do by the time you, you lock in for your loan. What I can tell you is that if you choose a 30-year option, that, that mortgage payment never changes. In fact, it only has an opportunity to go down if you do have an opportunity to refinance in the future. So here's some certainty that you can have in your financial situation to say, I can plan and budget based off of a known number that is not going to adjust. So those are just three examples of messaging from sales or marketing or both, where we can start to just say something beyond, yeah, it's a crapshoot, but if you want to, you know, give us a couple hundred grand and, and try that crapshoot out with us, we're, we'll go, we'll, we'll do it. You know, that, <laughs> shocker. That's, um, that's not working as well as you might, as you might think it would, or as builders for some reason seem to think it should. So that's, um, that's story time. And now a quick word from our supporting partner, Open Door. Connect your customers with Open Door and they'll get a preliminary offer for their home within minutes. They'll close on their home and you close the sale. Plus you can track the entire process with ease by using your personal custom referral link. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Open Door. All right, on to the news. Uh, first up, Elon did a thing. We got a, okay, so let's start with the story. From TheVerge.com, Twitter accepts buyout, giving Elon Musk total control of the company once it closes. The deal hasn't closed yet, but um, Elon Musk will buy Twitter for $44 billion. And, and most of the world seems to be having a meltdown around this topic. 
um, because yeah. I think they, there's a belief that Elon is a, is a far right wing person in, in, in sheep's clothing and he's going to come out and bring Trump back and cause mass it's chaos been, and disinformation. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that the downloads of Twitter has spiked. Um, the number of overall accounts on the platform has increased since the, now certain, certain accounts like Obama, I think I read president Obama lost like two or 300,000 followers since the announcement. Oh, so, so those leaning further left seem to be detracting from the platform on the right hand side, coming back to the platform or joining the platform. Hmm. But here's the thing. I, I want to ignore all political talk because I just don't care. I'm a libertarian. Um, so <laughs> I, I just can we all just get along. Yeah. Just bring Thomas Jefferson back and, uh, and make it, make it better. So what I think is interesting though, is Elon is not the type of person who doesn't move fast and iterate and make change. And Twitter, the main reason many feel like it's language is just that there hasn't been much change. I mean, they tried to compete with clubhouse with Twitter spaces it still is a thing it's around, but it's not taken off the way that it could. But I think you have to be excited about the concept of Twitter actually trying to innovate and, and, and where they might go. To me, that's exciting. Yeah. What do you guys think? I agree. It, it might bring me back to Twitter. I don't know. What's funny certain- is I downloaded Twitter like three weeks ago before this all happened. Mm. And so I was, I, I got back on the train. So I, I get to see how it goes. Because I feel like just people I wanted to follow were, were there and I wasn't getting updates. But yeah, this is just something we'll have to follow for a while. But I, I do agree when he does come into his space, it does usually have quick changes. Yeah. But... I mean, if you think about it, SpaceX, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Tesla, also pretty huge. Let's yeah. see, did one of the co-founders of PayPal, did he create PayPal? He was, one of, the, he was one of the one initial of, five. As far as the PayPal getting, mafia, as they're called. getting people to spend money over the internet, if you think about back in the day, like I have to put my credit card in this thing, like that was foreign. Um, and then that really created trust. So he, yeah. Yeah. He knows I, think how to do things. I think he's going to make Twitter, not just text and audio. I think he's going to bring in video to the platform over time. I think he's going to add payment uh, options and, and really go further down the Bitcoin NFT ecosystem. Um, I think there's all kinds of things that he can do because if you're taking the company private and you don't have to answer to wall street, that gives you a chance to, to try to break, break things. Now, again, there's financial things. The deal may not go through. Tesla stock has taken quite a hit potentially because, um, if the stock went down enough, Elon would have a margin call. The entire company of Tesla could be in jeopardy if he had to sell all the shares, uh, at a margin call. So there's still lots, but I, if nothing else, this whole process with the memes that have been created, I don't know how many of these you guys have seen. Hundreds. Uh, yeah. It's but all over. my favorite is, you know, th- this one. So uh, Elon, people are making these. It's not Elon saying it, but this one says, uh, it's a tweet from Elon Musk that's not really from Elon, but it says, now I'm going to buy McDonald's and fix all of the ice cream machines. Nice. And here's what I love. This I'm guy sure. is worth uh, on paper, like he's the richest man in the world. Uh, a couple hundred billion dollars, I think. And this guy actually gets the joke. Uh, so his response was, listen, I can't do miracles. Okay. Like I think he's just, he is some say he's a troll. The guy's in touch with reality. He can internet for the lack of a better word. Yes. And if you don't, know I mean, then you cannot internet. Yes. He could, he could, he could internet. 
Yeah, there's, there's. I think other ones I've seen is now I'm going to buy Zillow and fix this estimate for mm-hmm. our realtor fans. Oh man, love. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Again, shots fired, uh, but yeah, serious. I'm excited. I, I think we need yeah. uh, another shakeup. The Twitter change. ad platform is broken anyway. Broken. I think so. I think the UI is broken, or how the feed is. That's it my, takes a long time. I, that's to my resistance it. to it. Mm-hmm. Versus everyone can do Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. TikTok, I mean Twitter. You're just like. There's so it's just so much noise going on. It's like watching like a like a stock ticker just back and forth. Unless you're looking like I go on there to look for certain people to see what they posted, or you get a notification where it's like Kevin Oakley tweeted, da da da. Talk about pancakes. It's not all pancakes, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. whatever's like getting the most action was sent to my phone based on like who I've clicked on before. Yeah. Well, yep. All right, moving on. From Engadget, Instagram is testing pinned posts for profiles. The app already allows you to add stories above your photo grid. Jackie, I think you added this one in here. What what was your take? Yeah, it just seemed like there's an expiration date for a lot of posts, and this will kind of keep things in the now and and, in people's faces longer. And so I would like to see this rolled out and how companies take advantage of it, um, because I think there is, in a world of so much noise, you do need things to be repeatedly shown and and shown at the top of your profile um, regularly for, I think, those messages to to hit home sometimes. So for those of you who aren't quite sure what we're talking about and Instagram, you know, you post a story, that story is ephemeral. It goes away, but you have an option to put it in those little circles above your, um, your photo grid. And so now what they're talking about is be able, be able to, to pin posts in a similar fashion where if someone comes to visit your, um, your, your account for the first time, the most recent thing doesn't necessarily have to be at the top of the stack. So, like it would, I understand, I'm sure they'll try to monetize this in some way, but it makes sense. You know, if I, if I post a picture of my favorite pancake recipe and someone is aware of me because of my expertise in new home marketing and they find me on Instagram and they see pancake, pancake, yeah, they're like, well, confusion might this? occur, right? It's like, yeah. wait, what's going on here? So to be able to even group by category and let people um, go through, like, it'll be interesting to see how people use it, but that's how I, my initial thing is like, if you want to see my content related to this topic, I'm going to pin those here. That's right. Yeah. yeah. TikTok does it. Um, so it's interesting. And they have it, they have this feature. Well, Facebook meta does with the groups, you could pin posts at the top and groups. I don't know how mm-hmm. many you can pin. I think TikTok you could pin three Instagram. It would make sense to have three as far as it's three, three columns wide. So yeah. I think we use quite a bit. Like we would use it here, DYC, as far as mm-hmm. upcoming events. And then probably we'd alternate most recent podcast, upcoming event, and then the most recent blog post or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure builders could be like, they could have different things that yeah, they could think of already. Homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. I'll let you know when it fully rolls out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, All Instagram. Right. Moving on. Uh, new home sales drop in March from Builder Online. Uh, single family home sales decreased 8.6% in March as mortgage rates jumped to their highest levels since the start of the pandemic. That they did. I want more context. I want more data. It, there's, it's, I mean, it, there's more to the story. There's more behind it. Like yeah. is it limited? Well, first, so it's, it's month over month. So we're comparing February yeah. mm-hmm. to March. So it's not um, year over year change. Correct. Yeah. So that's, um, 
it's 12.6 below March, 2021. So year over year, it's even, even lower, but I think, you know, what is a sale today? It's kind of like, I know we people are like, what does buy online mean? It's weird to have to say, what is a sale? What is a start? You know, how are builders classifying this when they're contributing to wherever the data is going? Because just because you have a start, uh, that doesn't mean that there is a sale. Just because you have a sale doesn't mean there is a start. Like reservation lists, how are, uh, there's just so many. And I'm not saying the data is incorrect. I think the market is cooling, but we we don't like we don't know how many homes are actually imminently about to become available next week. Yeah. Like I just was on with another builder and I showed them in, in Delaware, uh, Ohio, where I, where I live right now. Um, there are 10 homes for sale by an agent over 300,000, which means the house is not, you know, leaning or falling over. You know, it's, it's not a lot of homes. There's only 10. If I toggle on new construction, it goes to 110. Now, but almost all of those again are, are buildable floor plans, not actual inventory. But we know that, everyone is building inventory. So where is all that and how much of it is being absorbed? So, yeah, but it is, it is softening. And, um, and if the question is just, is that what is the cause it's at, that's what makes it hard to determine. What is the cause? Is it the lack of homes available to sell? Is it an unwillingness to purchase? Is it that uncertainty thing again? Let's see. What's it going to? I agree. I'm going to go out of order here on the, and skip over to the CNBC article, which is adjustable rate mortgage demand doubles as interest rates hit the highest since 09. Yeah. The average contra- contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with conforming loan balances, that's $647,000 or less, increased to 5.37 from 5.2. Um, adjustable rate mortgage share of applications last week was over 9% by loan count. So number of loans and 17% based on loan volume at 9%. The arm share was double what it was three months ago. Wow. So one, the arm qualification process is different than before uh, the great financial crisis, the great financial crisis, you were approved for a loan based upon your ability to, to pay the initial rate on the arm. It is now like a blended average of the cap that you could go up to. There's lots of different, Things, okay. but it, it, it is not exactly as good of a tool to stretch your ability. It's more like, well, I could pay the 5.25% 30 year fixed. I just want to take the risk of getting a 4% and assuming my income is going to go up or I'll be able to refinance in two years or three years. Um, but arms typically have prepayment penalties because they expect people to want to do that. So even if there's less cost up front to get out of an arm early and go into something else, you're going to pay often to, to get out of that. So I, I posted this on Twitter. A lot of people shot back and was like, why is this a surprise and what's the big deal and who cares? And it's just another sign that the market is getting a little bit more precarious, that more risk is being accepted by everyone involved in this game called real estate. And, um, I, it does not mean that the end is near. It just means that um, people are wanting to do things that three months ago they didn't want to do. I mean, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's it. Yeah. If it's doubled over three months, that just communicates how much has changed in the market environment in three months, which is not a long period of time. 
yeah, that was my thought as far as like, this seems risky, but then you, yeah, gave the context of, you know, qualifying for that is they kind of stress test you a bit more. It seems like, but it's still riskier um, yeah. on everyone's end. Right? Well, Banks and, that, and again, that's what someone came, I'm like, you're right. It is less risky. However, it still comes with predefined expectations, which is again, that you're going to refinance before rates go up and that you'll be able to refinance easily because the equity in your home will increase as home values only go up forever. Right. That, and that's the part that, that I've really gotten in arguments with people who are like, look, housing is not cyclical. It only goes up into the right, except for the great recession, which, you know, that is how, how often is that going to happen? Like you're right when you're talking nationally, but if you're talking about just a market like Columbus or Nashville or Atlanta or wherever, mini busts happen all the time in a normal, yeah. normal market. And even what's that in a study N equals one, like even an individuals could have a mini bust. They overpaid. Right. Too much in the first time. And they're time. like, and that's, everyone comes back and like, who cares? That doesn't count. I'm like, well, it does count for that person. Their foreclosure. One. The next person's foreclosure. Then it kind of adds up. Yeah. And it quickly impacts our industry in building because if, if a too, too few, many of those individual stories happen, then, the, then the market starts saying, well, maybe it's not worth that premium for new construction. Maybe, maybe, you know, it's, I mean, the house that I grew up in was built in 1973 and I don't know what caused the, I think it was the Arab oil embargo maybe, or, but for some reason it was a terrible time. Interest rates were going up, uh, I believe as well. The street that my parents bought our house on, which I think they paid $28,000 for pretty hilarious four bedroom, Isn't that crazy. Well, three bedroom home in a closet that I called a bedroom as a kid until my brother moved out, but a, a four ish bedroom home. But what was funny is the developer committed suicide. That's not the funny part. Uh, they committed suicide because they had built like 20 homes on this street on spec. And then none of, none of them were sold for like a, for a long period of time. So he committed suicide financially ruined. And then my parents buy this house at a great price and a great interest rate of, I think like 12% or something. And people would come in to my parents' house while they were eating dinner, assuming that no one lived there because they were the only people on the street of these 20 some homes. And they were, the person had committed suicide. So they were not like kept or secured properly. So people would just go on tour of homes for fun and they would constantly have to be like, excuse us, we live here. Can you please leave? So again, I don't know the context, but that wasn't the great financial crisis. And people are like, there has been no other housing bus except for that one in recent modern era. I'm like, I beg to differ. So I'm not sure how we got there, but let's move on to the <laughs> next article from therealdeal.com. This, this agent commission one. suit could rock the resi industry. NAR Rheology say they will appeal the federal ruling. Uh, Judge Stephen Bowe ruled on Friday that one of two federal commission lawsuits could receive class action certification. The lawsuit started three years ago when two home seller plaintiffs filed a lawsuit against the National Association of Realtors, Rheology, and others claiming the sharing of commissions between listing and buyer brokers violated the Sherman Antitrust Act. Go read the article if you want to get into all the legalese. But the big question here is buyer's agents and seller's agent agents being able to co-mingle or share commissions uh, back and forth in any way. The, the industry I've, I've come to learn over the last year, spending more time on the existing side, is cooperation compensation policy. So 
cooperation part, we agree to work together on this transaction, compensation part, and we agree to compensate each other as, as each party deems fairly. And, and so at, at its, at its root, again, cause we're running long on the episode already, but also cause there's plenty you can read about it and link in the, in the show notes. What many experts, not all experts, a lot of people, including, um, I think my hunch would be our friend, Sean Carpenter would disagree with this, but, but other experts that I've talked to have said that the government really is given the green light to attack cooperation compensation to say that buyer agents must be compensated by the buyer. Sellers agents must be compensated by the seller. So it's not that like what, what the government's really going to do is say, you may not share compensation in any way between these two parties. And the potential outcome of that, if buyer's agents have to be paid for by the buyer, must be paid for by the buyer. Mm-hmm. One, one theory is that those buyer agents are going to have to become hourly employees because if, if nothing happens and you spend two weeks driving someone around and they don't buy, then you're not getting compensated anything. And that's one of the main complaints buyer's agents have anyway about the customers they work with is, I did all this work and nothing happened. Well, if you're charging by the hour, then at least you're getting something. And so some people would argue that they're going to end up about in the same place because they'll work way more. They'll get paid for every hour they are working. Whether or not the transactions happen is a different part. Go ahead. I think it looks I like was say, I would assume there'll be less people using a buyer's agent. Because yeah, if that, that I don't get, I'm going to spend $4,000 to pay this person to drive me around on what I found on Zillow. I, I think I'm making it very naive and dumb sounding because no, they no, do no. other things. It's not, but I we'll find you know, out. Like, are they worth that value? Like one will find I out, write a check but for I that? Think I don't know. I wouldn't underestimate the consumer saying this is such a large purchase. I still want an expert to help me. And in some, some of the more informed people may even say, I feel better about paying this person knowing that they're working just for me and there is no other side thing going uh, on. Like I I'm think- paying you. Like, like a lawyer, like, would you like sh- cooperation compensation with your legal representation? No, if you it went makes to, no sense, right? You would in any circumstance or like you have a CPA and the IRS and their best friends and they decide what to charge based on what they talk about behind closed doors. Yeah. That would make sense. Again, uh, I think, I think what's just interesting about this mostly is, and this is, this is a quasi quasi joke is that I, I think I'm going to be right, which is what I've been saying for the last <laughs> really since this came up during the pandemic when everyone was like, we don't even need agents, Kevin, what should we pay them? And I was like, just pay them what you think is fair and, and not just yeah. fair now, but in any market condition. So you can be consistent for a while. Again, that word popping up consistency with, with the agents that you're interacting with. But at the end of the day, you don't really have to worry about this because I, I do believe that forces from the outside, whether that be Redfin's uh, pricing model, the justice department and the, and the federal government, what, what buyers agents are paid um, by home builders or by anyone is going to more or less be taken care of for you. It appears. And um, again, we don't know how long these will take to, to come through, but I mean, the class action, there, there's actually multiple lawsuits going on right now. The class action lawsuit, I think the potential damages are a billion dollars and it's just in one MLS system in the Midwest somewhere. It's um, in Missouri and you can go yeah. back as far as uh, April, 2014. That's- insanity yeah like the number like how that that's just one mls one billion Hmm. okay yeah so it is it is definitely something to keep an eye on um uh i i interviewed rob hahn who i think is a is a great 
um, perspective on this topic. He has a website that we've, we've referenced before, Notorious ROB. Um, and he, he kind of talks about it as what the government is on the road to doing is like an asteroid hitting the entire MLS general real estate world. And part of his belief is that CoStar as an organization is just kind of sitting there. CoStar bought homes.com. CoStar owns apartments.com. They're the largest rental platform, commercial platform for real estate. They bought homes.com for I think a couple hundred million dollars. And it's almost like they're just putting all the pieces in place so that if this whole thing just kind of gets hit by an asteroid, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is an unkind example about the current system being dinosaurs. But anyway, um, (laughs) if only thing gets hit by an asteroid and and the deck gets reshuffled, CoStar is going to come in and say, here's a new platform that you can use because Zillow is connected to the MLS system as well. So they also must have another plan up their sleeve that they're not not sharing about what happens if this happens. Um, maybe we ask Kedra about that. They're, uh, so they're on spot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to write in or, or give us a call Kedra if you yeah. got uh, something else you want to talk to about that. Okay. Is that all the articles? Did we make it through? Great. We made it through. Yeah. Good job. Um, we did then it. on to the answers to last week's question of the week, which was, uh, two weeks ago. Actually, did you guys answer this on the podcast? I wasn't on. That hasn't come out yet. We did. Yeah, we did. We did that. Oh, one. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, you went through everyone's mortgage. answer. All we right. Well, just, it, yeah. just a quick update then <laughs> as, as, as of right now, if I do a search for 30 year fixed rates on a $300,000 loan with 20% down payment and a 740 or higher credit score, a 30 year fixed, uh, loan is 5.5 30 year fixed FHA is 6.25. Now you can get loans for lower than that. But I think what's interesting is anytime I do this, the Google, what Google shows me is high, but then it seems like everyone else catches up to those rates in like two to three weeks. So makes sense. I don't know if it does. I think just directionally, I still feel confident that getting close to six or six by the end of May is not, not impossible to happen. Okay. Then this week's question of the week is going back to the homework assignment we talked about around certainty, which is um, what are some creative ways with messaging, positioning, all of the tools in the sales and marketing toolbox that we can add some additional certainty to the customer's world uh, around things that we actually can be certain or, or at least mostly certain are going to occur. So um, since this one's not a poll, we'll do a prize uh, for um, the most liked uh, idea that someone throws out in the Facebook group. And this is going to be tougher to think through. It's homework after all. So we'll do a hundred dollar gift card for the winner. Uh, of this one. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this week for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more. Check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See ya. Yeah. Bye.